We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hump Day, Nothing Nothing Podcast. The Anora Boys are in the building, brought to you by Anora Whiskey. AnoraWhiskey.com. It's that premium American whiskey, AnoraWhiskey.com. And if you drink, by all means, make sure that you do so. Responsibly. You got to do it responsibly, man. Big show today. We're going to talk about 1A and 1B. 1A and 1B. 1A and 1B. We see it. On championship rosters, will Notre Dame be able to develop that? And then on top of that, we're going to talk about each position and what player needs to rise to the top. That's and right. The, and be the dog in that room. Because it can only be one. It can only be one dog, man. It can only be one dog. And then we're going to talk about the coaches. We have new hires. We talked about the continuity of the coaching staff, even with the new hires. That's right. There's some coaches under the microscope, in my opinion, left. Are you talking about assistant coaches? Oh, yeah, some assistant coaches on this staff that are under my watchful eye. Okay. This season. Okay. Yeah, we're going to tap into that. Both sides of the ball? Yeah, because I think, you know, the coaching staff came together late last year. And we kind of gave them a pass, right? Because we knew they didn't have a full year. We applauded them for their efforts in recruiting, coming in on a short year and, and being able to bring in a top 10 class. It's like, okay, cool. Second year now. Mm. Some things to dig into. Some numbers to dig into. You know, you're pretty high because of your relationship with Coach Biagi. He got some big shoes to fill, dude. That's Brian Mason didn't exactly leave a legacy of uh bad. Well, let's put it like this: it's a total 180 from Brian Polian at Notre Dame. What was it there for? Brian Mason. Brian Mason was only yeah. there for one year. Yeah, so I mean it's not too big over holes shoes you gotta fill. He was only there for a year. <clears throat> no, no, the, the production when you have teams literally not wanting to put special teams on the field because that's the only way Notre Dame can score. <laughs> Dude, 
that's the continuing that is an expectation. It's not even an expectation from the fan base. The players recognize the stark difference in the special teams. And you saw the excitement of how many starters wanted to be part of special teams and how many players on the roster wanted to be part of special teams, which was a totally different vibe than other years at Notre Dame. So it's not us that's putting the expectation on a new special teams coach. The players in the locker room expect Notre Dame special teams. They expect to go out and block punts. You don't think the players expect to go out and block more punts this year? After doing it last year, well, I think they, they your mind your mindset changes a little having a new coach, and for a guy to only be there a year, I don't think is that much uh, influence that you can really have. Yeah, you had a successful year, but if you only there for one season, I mean that's a for a Notre Dame time span that's even fast. So, I think that uh, for Coach Biaggi to come in and obviously he has to go in and initiate his way of doing it. I think whenever you go into a situation like that, you got to initiate how your way of doing it is at the expectation or better. And he's a good enough guy to where I think guys can get behind that. Do I think, are we looking for the same production? I think to have set was a six or seven pump blocks in a season is sort of an anomaly, but the season before that we was, you know, dead spot. It was nothing out there. So it's not like we've had a consistent run like we've had at 10 win seasons that are going to equate to the same. So I do think uh, we had a nice bright spot in our special teams history with last year, but we want to have a bright future and, and a continued success moving forward with Coach Biagi. Well, you know what? I was going to say this until the second half. We can hop into it. Before we do that, let's pay some bills. Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Along with CFB Nation in conjunction with Irish Breakdown, don't forget our YouTube channel, Lucky Lefty Podcast. Subscribe, smash that like button for us. We greatly appreciate it. It's the Lucky Lefty Podcast, home of the misguided passion. You already know, we spin it different. For all your business needs, you might as well rock out with the guys over at Rock Financial. That's rock, R-O-K dot B-I-Z, rock financial. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. See, this is my pushback. This, this is my pushback. If you fall in love and someone has an untimely death, that's still the love of your life. Doesn't matter if it was three months, six months, nine months, someone can still be the love of your life. And it's not based upon short, a short time span. He came in and changed the culture of special teams in a short time span in Notre Dame. Because special teams had gone, was horrible. We had a good you know, season. We don't change the culture stop, off of stop, one stop. season. The fact, the, fact, the fact that you're trying to make it seem like blocking six punts is an anomaly. Like there was no effort, no planning, you, no coaching. It just happened. Do you think it was an anomaly to us specifically as an Notre Dame special team? No, it was better coaching. It was better coaching. It was better a, coaching. We had great special teams unit in 2015. 2016. Okay. But for, I mean, who was coaching? Booker. Okay, then. Okay, then. Okay, then. But the culture was established through years, not one year. Wait a minute. Brian Mason, all the credit, like he's changed life in one year. We had. He did. He did change life in one year. What are you talking about? Changing life is more than a season. Coach Booker changed teams. He how long does it take? How long does it take? Well, we can put this on the board right now. Look, bro, if you want to sit here and talk like you're an 18, 19, 20-year-old, then that's fine. But if you're a grown adult, it doesn't take you a full year to recognize whether or not you want to spend the rest of your life with somebody. It doesn't take that. Yes, it – No, on. it doesn't. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. You go ask any – You go ask any – You go ask any – Ask any female, any female over the age of 35, if they're cool being engaged for more than a year and see what they say. Ask them. Ask them. Are you cool with being engaged for longer than a year? You're saying Brian, uh, Brian Mason changed the culture of Notre Dame special teams in one year? and then Absolutely. Dip- All he had to do was come in and actually be a good coach. It wasn't hard. So, so okay. It so, wasn't hard. So the standard of what you was giving Brian Mason all this credit for wasn't high to begin with, number one. I agree. Okay, so if it wasn't high to begin with before him, 
one season of doing good doesn't change what was going on before him moving forward. You would have to have more than one year to say, okay, his impact is is a lasting effect for the culture of the special teams unit. We've been terrible at special teams for longer than a season. We've been terrible at special teams for about wait a minute. Years. Why? 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 There's plenty of there's plenty of different reasons so, why. I think a so lot of you people- agree. You agree that special teams in 15, 14, 15 under Coach Booker was pretty good. Was pretty good, yes. Okay, okay. When Coach Booker left, did special teams plummet? Yeah, they did. So the culture changed in one year. Am I correct? Just in one year with a different coach, the total culture of what was built up in special teams for Notre Dame totally changed, correct? It wasn't that. Okay, so what happened when Coach Booker left? We were directed in special teams under a person that was doing things with personnel that wasn't giving us success. That doesn't mean the culture changed because we were still about juice and all of that. But when you're putting Salami and Salerno back there, when you're putting these guys that are trying to make the team as walk-ons and stuff on special teams, it became uh, it became one of those uh, Make-A-Wish Foundation units instead of a productive unit. So it it's totally different. I think with Coach Biagi coming in, you have to you have somebody, you have a, a coach coming in that you're coming off of a successful season on special teams. Now, are you going to say that he has a huge mountain to climb for one season of success? I didn't say he had a huge mountain to climb. Well, that's what not we're what, making. Not what I said. So what how I big was if he has big shoes? Wait a minute. He has big shoes to fill, and I didn't even go to the fan base. You wait a minute, LL LL question of the day: Does Marty Biaggi have big shoes to fill as the new special teams coach in Notre Dame? That's why I'm asking: How big of a heel did Brian Mason build above the expectation of what we had before him? It was. Is that a serious? Is that a serious question? He did a great job above what we were already doing. When was the last time a Notre Dame punt returner averaged 10 yards per return? <laughs> a long time. I agree it's been a long time. And, and it was Brandon Joseph. He's not even that fast. It's the kid that graduated from Northwestern. <laughs> He's not even that fast. And you want he has, yes. Brian Mason did a lot. He did a lot. Let's not act like when Brian Mason left. Look. I so guarantee you. I guarantee you a lot. Say it again. See the greatest special teams coach we've had in the last no, decade. No, you can't say that. You can't make that argument because right, for because an argument like that, year. Exactly. exactly. I agree with you on that. But don't act like you tried to diminish like what he did and what happened on special teams in Notre Dame was an anomaly. Like any coach can come okay. in and do that. In the, no, in that's not true. Years, in the ten years. His year that he was there for one season in those 10 years was an anomaly, yes. Six block, block punts, yes. We haven't had six block punts probably since the 80s. Because of bad coaching. Since the 80s? How many? <laughs> it's an anomaly. No. You might not have six next year, but you still should be able to get three or four. You're always going to have your peaks. You, yeah, That's you, fine. Okay, so that makes it. Michael Jordan basically averaged Michael Jordan basically averaged 30 points per game in the playoffs. But he had 40 point games, 50 point games. 
So, so yeah, you're going to have peaks. Do you believe that if Brian Mason came back, we would have six, seven block punts again? Or or is that just a peak? Because if if if, if it's up to Coach Biagi, but, but you act like peaks, but you act like peaks can only happen once, and that's not the case. Peaks can happen multiple times. If you're going to extrapolate it out over five years, if Brian Mason was here for five years, could they have repeated what they did in year one? Yes, they could have done it again. Hey, 10 yards per return with Brandon Joseph? <laughs> but that's if you if you won't get that man credit just based on that. Forget but that's the considering we were fair catching before then. We were fair catching punts before then. So that's his not his fault. <laughs> <laughs> that's not his fault. Oh my goodness. Okay, well, in y'all case, he does. I'm have just I'm just showing proper respect to the previous coach. So no, he, I deserves, said he deserves proper respect. Is is saying that you've had an anomaly year that one year you was impacting the program, not a not a respectful compliment. Because you did something that nobody's seen in the last 10 years. Now, because it's only one year, it's like that's worse than Dion. At least Dion gave you three. Now, obviously, it's different circumstances, but you talking. I was about to say you talking Dion at Jackson State. Yeah, I'm just saying it's a it's it's different from the the aspect of you know the impact on the program. I think the impact on the program. Yeah, you could have a splash. Mm. You can you can do something really really good in the season. Mm. But if you're talking about impacting the coach, it took Brian Kelly what about five years to get on track. Before he went to the champions, or what was it three about three years ago? Well, three years, third year, right? Yeah, before he went to the championship. So that that's a culture change in year three, not in year one. But did the when did the culture change though? Just because you see the fruit of it doesn't mean that the root of it hasn't been there the whole time. Well, it didn't happen in year you can one, change right? the culture, you can change the culture in year one and not reap the benefits of it until until year three. But if you're not here for it, year three, it's like, what are you, you just getting started? So now, now you're talking about Mark Jackson and Steve Kerr. Mark Jackson <laughs> wasn't there, but that's very much his championship. Is it not? No, it's not. Because Steve From a developmental standpoint? He put the team together, but you still got to push it to the finish line. Right? If you set it up and then leave it, it's got to be operational for people to be like, oh, okay, it's a success. That's that's fine. But what did Steph and Clay say? When Steph and Clay gave him well, they credit. They better have Mark Jackson back. That's their boy. That's their okay, guy. then. But that's that's a bias, though. Which goes to my point. It's not about the fans. The players in the locker room believed in Brian Mason. They believed oh, they yeah, could block yeah. him. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. So they still have, they have expectations in special teams. And I think that have taken root. Place. Smooth transition from Biagi and Mason. So that could very well be. All I said was, "Don't poo-poo what the man did." I can't. He. I mean, we. I mean, he was doing impressive stuff to the point where he got called up after mm. one year. So, so you had no problem 
and I know this is gonna be apples and oranges for you, but you 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 had no problem saying that Joe Rudolph had big shoes to fill. Oh, because Harry he stands. No, here there. we go. Here we go. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, Harry he stand literally can be like, look at what I look. You can turn on Sunday and see what I'm doing. How is that not big shoes feel? And Harry Houston came back twice. He left. He said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go do my thing, come back. And did it again. Mm-hmm. Brian, we talking about 15 or 10 or so years compared to one season? I'll give Elko more credit for his impact. Because, I mean, I thought, you know, his two, three years of defense after Van Gorder was – I mean, was right what we needed, you know. So I think that's somebody you can be like change the culture. I think I'm doing the wrong thing. I'm gonna have to sit down and talk to my wife, bro. Because <laughs> based on what you said, dude, you feel like I could hop into coaching and make five million a couple of years and hop back oh, out. Yeah, absolutely. If if you okay. got Trevor Lawrence, man, what? If you got Trevor Lawrence getting the coaching right now. <laughs> So I just need to go to an institution that will allow me to use the bag, get the quarterback, and then I can, I, man, just roll, just throw the footballs out. Yeah, yeah, right, write your ticket. Well, you know, you gotta wait. Whoa, you gotta have also <laughs> a little bit of infrastructure behind you. You know, gotta have a decent enough O line, somewhat good enough receivers. You know, and then you got to be good in the media. You think you'd be good taking them interview questions, GC? You can't stay GC forever. Hey, <laughs> I'll step out of that GC a little bit for five or six mil. <laughs> what, what would you, if you was Marcus Freeman, they just denied you your coach. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you go up to the, <laughs> go to the media <laughs> thing. And before you go up there, they like, hey, look, I'm going to need you to cover for all of this. <laughs> Mm. But but we paying you about six million. <laughs> we paying you, Sean, six million. You gotta go up there and cover boards. <laughs> it's a way to do it, though, right? It's a way. It's, it's a way to do way. everything. It's like you know, I do. I bump and run. Do I play off man? Do I play cover four? Do I play cover three? It's just, just a lot of ways. It. Yeah, it's a lot of ways I can do it. You know, I step up to the podium and I say, unfortunately, unfortunately, (laughs) things don't go your way in life. See, that's fair. Okay. Things don't go your way in life. And we had some unfortunate things and some uh, miscommunications that allowed us not to be able to go the direction that we possibly wanted to go. And we understand that Notre Dame fans were probably upset by that. And some of that included some misinformation that's going out through the media. Yeah. With all of that being said, we've arrived at where we need to be to move forth and win a national championship, and that's our mindset. We're all in this together, administration, coaches, players, and we have our coaching staff and our next offensive coordinator, and we're going to get ready to go out and put up points next year and yeah, win there games. Go. There you go. go. I have to throw nobody under the bus. <laughs> I have to throw nobody under the bus. I said what I said, and I still got my check coming. That's all that matters. That's right. As long as them shoes. That's all that matters. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Marcus Freeman, allow me to be your speech writer. That's (laughs) allow me to be your speech writer. I will hook you up, bro. 
I will hook y'all will hook it up. I'll get yeah. the point across and keep it GC and keep the yeah, checks keep, rolling. Keep, keep the checks rolling, man. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> you gotta work on his Euro step, man. He eats him straight <laughs> to the basket. We gotta get his Euro step going. <laughs> He got that big man Euro step. He got the big man. You want to bounce and dribble all the time, hit the hit elbow spin. And sometimes you got to Manu Ginobili, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Lucky Lefty Podcast, Apple Podcast, Spotify, YouTube channel, Lucky Lefty Podcast. So subscribe, hit that like button for us. Make sure you hit the notification bell, CFB Nation, in conjunction with Irish Breakdown, all of our great content. Leave five stars. We greatly appreciate it. Uh, we do apologize because we had two super chats at the end of yesterday's show, and we're going to get to those. My apologies. We said we were going to get to those, and we ended up ending the show. My apologies to both of those super chats. And uh, home of the misguided passion. You already know. Misguided passion. <laughs> we spin it different. Um Can we talk about some coaches that are under the microscope? I'm gonna be flat out honest because we're gonna we're we're going to get to the players that need to step up at each position group, especially for Notre Dame to take the next step as a team. I'm, I'm watching Chris O'Leary very carefully. And I do like what I saw from Xavier Watts throughout the season. I like what I saw. I think DJ Brown played his best year of football. Ramon Henderson. For me, I'm not sure about him on the back end, but I know he can cause havoc near the line of scrimmage. Blitzing, whether it's pass, or during the run blitz, he's very good at that. I need him to become more aware of certain things. You know, his lack of awareness caused that big third down conversion in the Marshall game that allowed them to go down and score in that fourth quarter when they were basically just trying to get off the field and punt. So his maturation is something we need to see. The defensive performance in the Gator Bowl wasn't bad from a point standpoint, right? It was without some of your best players along the defensive front. So you're a little encouraged. But I'm watching the safety play this year. I won't even get into the recruiting standpoint because it's tough. Uh, Mike Mickens makes it tough because of the job he's doing with the, def- the cornerbacks he's bringing in and how they're coming out and playing early. Uh, that's something that, you know, Chris O'Leary is connected to at the safety position. Yo, can can we lay Peyton Bowen at his feet? Yeah, uh, you know my feeling, my personal feelings of about Peyton Bowen. But I I need to see more. Like I need Xavier Watts to become a dude. And I'm kind of teasing, you know, who I'm going to mention at the safety position. But I need him to become a dude. Yeah, I need him to become a dude. And that's something that's going to bear watching. Like how many does a Don Schuler make an impact early? Does Ben Minnick 
make an impact early? Does one of these freshman safeties, do they make an impact? After losing Peyton Bowen, that would soften the blow to most Irish fans, in my opinion. So my, I'm going to watch Chris O'Leary this season after taking interviews for the NFL and deciding to come back to Notre Dame. He, he's under my watchful eye. He's under my watchful eye, Left. Yeah, I think that's a good a good way to start because I think the expectation of that secondary is to be a highlight of defense next year. And so with that being said, it was a lot of transition with guys in and out of the lineup, young guys back there. And so having some staple found foundational pieces that you can rely on, just like how we do at corner, we can feel good about who we have at corner going into the year. I would like to feel the same at that safety position. So it is a challenge considering the expectation that's put on that unit and mm -hmm. how they did so well last year. So um, there would definitely be, if all things considered go right, the most impactful group because I think that is the most talented uh, group or unit on the defense this year. So I would expect – You mean it in totality on the back end? In totality, like the yeah, whole yeah. back end is, is, I think, our greatest athletic strength defensively. And so to see that flourish, I think is a is a huge weight on on Coach O'Leary's shoulders to make sure that 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 can highlight a defense that the front seven I don't think will be as or D line specifically as good as last year. My second coach that's under my watchful eye, and this might catch a lot. This might catch some people off guard, right? Because you know how you have things. And you don't know where the directive is coming from. Chancey Stuckey is under my watchful eye, left. Mm. Great 2023 wide receiver class. Fantastic. He's doing a phenomenal job with the 24 group from the young men that we talk to and the relationships he's building. But some things, Tobias not getting on the field. Um, the prolonged slump of one of the best players on the roster at the position. Other players not showing up until later in the season. You know, the, the unit, unified message of you got to know the whole playbook. You got to be able to do everything. You know, a lot of people call hogwash on that, man. Hogwash. Like, you you can't wait around for a talent like Tobias Merriweather trying to make sure he knows the entire playbook when he's decimating. Brandon Joseph talked about it at the Combine. This dude is decimating your secondary in practice. But you want to put him or hold him to the standard of having to know the entire playbook to get on the field. Like, what are we doing? Now, was that Tommy Reese? You know, is Chancey Stuckey the one that gets players on the field and switches everyone up? I definitely don't think it was Coach Stuckey's decision to not put Tobias Merriweather in there. I think that's why he didn't particularly well, speak. He, he was unified with the message, though. So I mean, now we get to see, now we get to see, we get to see 
right? Because Tobias is a sophomore, but you got three freshmen, three talented freshmen that it shouldn't take five, six weeks to get them acclimated to playing college football, especially yeah. when they're early enrollees. I, I think, yeah, you're definitely going to see Coach Stuckey have the opportunity to 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 show his receiver room, uh, take that next step. I don't believe that the Tobias situation was in his uh, control. I do think that he probably suggested that he does play, but I don't think he has anything past his suggestion when it came to how the offense was ran last year. Plus, even if he was in there, I don't think we would have gotten him the ball enough from the talent of our QB and, and the trust that he had pushing the ball, even though he liked him a lot. Mm. I just don't believe that if he was in there a lot, we would have been able to get it to him as much as we uh, are expecting to this year. And then I think the expectations for the receiver room has shifted, especially getting a quarterback like Sam Hartman Absolutely. to, oh, this is leading the offense. We ain't just playing our part. We need to be the dominant 60-40 uh, pass run offense mm -hmm. that we need to be if we want to, you know, take that next step because I think that, you know, you got to pass your way to a championship these days and Sam Hartman giving us the the look or, per, or the perception that we should be better in that pass game alone uh, outside of Tyler developing himself too and all that. But now it's like, okay, you're not bringing Sam in to run the ball. I don't think the college football world is looking at Notre Dame in that aspect. If that was the case, y'all wouldn't have got Sam Harvey. would have got one of these other quarterbacks. So to to take a plunge on that, you're you're openly saying we're throwing the football next year and these receivers uh, got to be on point. And I think a year of development when you mm -hmm. can be in the background of the offense and work on these guys, I think you'll see guys like Tobias and Lorenzo and, and even Jaden Thomas popped after a year being with Chancey Stuckey. So it's it's a hot seat because you are going to be the one called to the front of the stage. Do I think he's can do I think he can do it? I think the, the guys in the room believe in him and, and in a short amount of time taking enough to feel like they can be hungry, like Deion Cozy said, to where it's like, okay, I'm ready, just throw it to me. I don't think we had the confidence as a room. Uh, years before to where it was like, if we need to win, throw it to EQ or throw it to Miles or throw it, well, after Miles, actually, um, that year, where it was like, we don't have a, even with Javon, I thought Javon was a great role player. But is he a number one receiver where it's like, when in doubt, we got Javon McKinley, like how Marvin, Hen, uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. was Ohio State. Not exactly, because we were running the football. Sam Hartman, you're going to know right away who's the number one receiver going into game one. It should be that way because if, if we're going to do it right, Chancey Stuggy should have a big dog in the room, and we go from there. Now, allow me to be fair. The reason I said what I said is because we don't know. We don't know. We can sit here and say it was Tommy. We can sit here and say it was Coach Stuckey. I'm going to say it was Tommy. Yeah, you can say that. And I'm still saying, unless you show me proof. Okay, in your opinion, in your opinion, if it wasn't Tommy, do you think 
Coach Tucky really didn't want to put him in there? Just as a, a understanding no, no, no. Look, I've been in rooms from a different perspective. It's ultimately, it's up to the, the play caller determines the personnel on the field from the play call. The play now, caller, right? Yes. Oh, yes. Now, from that standpoint, there might be some leeway given to the coach to implement which two receivers or which three receivers run on the field. Say, yo, be ready. You know, so that and I do think I do think there's responsibility that falls on. Because I have to bring Marcus Freeman into this. There's responsibility that falls on the positional coach to push for his guys to say, hey, he, he, he's doing his thing in practice. We need to find a way to get him on the field. And that rests on the head coach as well. He's sitting there watching practice, seeing what Brandon Joseph is seeing, seeing what the other defensive backs are seeing, what Tobias Merriweather is toasting him in practice. He's seeing that. It's up to him say, to say, yo, we're struggling a little bit. Can we, can we get him two to three targets deep a game? Can we do that? We, can we try to get some big explosive plays? I mean, this is a collaborative effort. When you're talking about getting the best players on the field, especially young players, do you how, think we how were... long do you think how long do you think it took Dabo Sweeney? If Dabo Sweeney said this, he said, Look, I saw Travis ATN run a sweep the second practice and was like, you know what? Get him on the field. It don't, doesn't take long. So we got to stop playing these games like this is complicated. Okay, and, okay no, let's – let's, like, when have we offensively mm -hmm. – outside of Kevin Stefferson until he, you know, was getting in trouble, mm -hmm. when have we ever trusted an offensive player that was that young just be out there for a bunch of snaps? Just in general. With Dale Alexander, with Altree, with 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 any of the assistant coaches, I think we've had plenty of talent on the roster that were on low management. I believe Tobias was on low management unnecessarily. <laughs> that at the end of the day, I'm sure Chancey had a lot of suggestions. But when has the offense ever been a collaborative effort up until this year? I think that's why Gerard Parker started the meeting or started the, the press with collaborative effort. Because mm. that word hasn't been used in about a decade. That's fair. So that's fair. I think Chancey, speaking to your point, is under the pressure now because Coach Parker gonna be like, hey, knocking on the door, what you think? <laughs> Thank you. Well, what can we uh thank you? Maybe try them young dudes. You've been in there with them every day. And you have yeah. a quarterback. And you have a lot of wide receivers now. So deciding who gets on the a field. A lot of wide receivers. Exactly. We have a lot of wide receivers now. Thank you. To where it's like, yeah, we got some tight ends, but it's it's over, it's overbearingly uh the the, the potential in the receiver room. Cause you you got guys like Styles and Cosley and JT. Mm-hmm. Then you got the young bucks that have been making a lot of noise. Then you got 
Then you got the, the transfer edition thrown in there. All these questions. How are we going to take the next step offensively? We know we can run. Yeah. So Chancey's probably, you know, just like Deion Cozy, hungry for the opportunity to, to, to really help this offense take the next step. And it's only can come from that receiver room. Yeah, we're going to, we, we buffer up the, the QB room a little bit. Got a QB coach in there. Got a, <laughs> got a transfer in there that's veteran. So mm-hmm. we beefed it up enough to be like, okay, we can't blame the QB no more. Because mm. now we got two of them. Facts. So, and, and you know, the run game going, I think the run has to be effective for the pass, not just volume. I think a volume running team, we're not Kansas State. <laughs> That's a volume running team. And what happened when they played a team like Alabama? Alabama said, look, I know y'all think y'all physical. <laughs> and I know they are built off of being tough and all that, but listen, <laughs> we're physical too, <laughs> but we got talent. And so it's like the new, it's like the new slap league, the oh. new slapping league, right? Kansas state had been slapping teams all around in the big 12 all year. right? And they, and they had to stand there and get slapped by Alabama. They slap a little heavier. <laughs> So yeah. we're going to out tough. Yeah. I don't think Notre Dame, if we're going to win a championship, is going to be because we have out tough our opponent. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be a little bit of that. You know, we're going to have to run it, but let it be effective runs. Let Audric get some of those, those effective 10, 8-yard ripoff runs because we got them so worried about covering guys downfield. Mm-hmm. That's how we should. That's the that's the formula to success to win a championship. Now, when Georgia ran the football, you barely noticed it, but it was effective. Mm-hmm. And Stetson Bennett went out there and had six touchdowns. That's the storyline. They ran the ball great, though. We, you know, if you look at the stat sheet, they said, "Oh, they ran the ball boom." Ooh, ooh, ooh. But the storyline and what won the game was being able to throw the football. And, I, and you know, Sam Harbin has enough ability to take us as far as Tyler can. But them three games is where I'm expecting Sam Hartman to, to be the reason why we're glad that you transferred. Mm. Mm. That was wonderful, left. He's still under my watchful eye. <laughs> yeah, I believe it. He's still under my watchful eye. Because you never know. And this is a year that I think we find out a lot. Because there was a lot of blame thrown in the direction of Tommy Reese for everything. Okay, yeah. For everything. I can agree with that. Right? More than needed. For everything. It's up to the positional coach. Is it not the positional coach's job to make sure that everything is technical, that his guys have the playbook? That's Tommy's fault a little bit for not having that little buffer. 
Yes. Gerard Parker can go in there on, 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 on was it Sundays or Mondays and be like, look, I was telling him to get the QB's feet right. He got to, you know, ask Gino. Mm-hmm. I, didn't, I didn't throw it. I just called the plays. Tommy had to take on too much. He like, oh, damn. I was That's why Tommy's screaming at Drew. I'm like, you dude, you're, you're the coach. You're the coach. You're the quarterback coach. While you're snapping on this dude, you're the quarterback coach. Exactly. So, so we're not hearing that from you. <laughs> but hey. I, do, I do like, though, um, how it's structured. Obviously, we need somebody to point the blame to if it, if it don't go right. But the structure for it to work well, I think this is a group project that we can all get an A on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just, if, we, if you do the, uh, the the research and I'll type the paper, you know, Chancey print the, print the stuff off on time. And then we got Gerard Parker editing with, with, with Coach G. We can we can have a little presentation that might might get us some brownie points. So <laughs> I think uh, for us, it's going to be important. Also, uh, when you're looking at who's on the hot seat, I even think Dina McCone's on the hot seat because if I'm okay, I'm interested well, in hearing this. I wouldn't say hot seat, but I would say under the microscope. It's under, under the microscope for you, okay? Because I would love to see how we do in pass blocking. And how we do in our rotations. And I say that because, you know, when you have a lot of talent, you also have to know how to manage it. Not saying that he doesn't know how to manage it, but we have a very intricate situation when we're trying to transition to a different phase of offense, in my opinion. Now, they may still try to be heavy run and pass, but I'm saying if we're hypothetically speaking on what can win as a championship, we would have to make a transition from being a volume run team to a team that's more, you can even say RPO and pass, because I know Sam Harvin does a little bit of that. But with that, maybe Jadarian fits a little bit more situationally from an effective, explosive run play, where he he may get to 15 where Audrey can get to eight. On a second down where we're moving fast or trying to, you know, situationally get down the field with our run game. So I think for him being able to manage those guys where it's like maybe less carries are coming. Mm. Who am I going to roll too deep in some situations? Who am I going to put in on third down in some situations? What if Audrey doesn't get his – gets less than 10 carries because of who we playing? And we featuring Sam this week. And Sam got about 35 passes because he has to. You know, I think we have the team built to win for whatever the situation causes – we're not a team that's going to roll in there and be like, we're going to run hella hot water. Because I think we have too much talent. And if you're doing it from a collaborative aspect, you're going to coach each game to win, not to be like, well, we only got one receiver and he needs a 1,000 receptions, you know. I can see that. I can and see have that. you ever seen us be really good in pass protection? Maybe Kyron, but that was an individual effort, but from a, just a group. When we've been great in pass protection at Notre Dame from the running backs. As far as the running backs. Kyra might have been the best of the bunch. And that's and that's best in the last uh Tony Jones. Tony Jones okay. So I think the style of offense in order to win a championship needs to change, but it doesn't need to change drastically. 
I just think when you're talking about those three games we need to win, we got to get over, in my opinion, 300 yards passing if we beat an Ohio State. Got to get over 300 if we beat the SC. Yeah. I can say we – I think we'll run the ball again against Clemson. I don't think they'll be able to do nothing with that next year. But um, for the mother two games, we got to get over 300. But Sam can do that. Yeah. Sam can, can see that. Sam I can, can see that. I can see that. I just think the total offense, you know, the Tommy Reese excuse is no longer there. It's not. It's just no longer there, man. And coaching in football is pretty much the same. Like, you can sit up here and talk. Like, it's the job of the positional coach to develop the technique and the understanding of the playbook, period. You can blame Tommy Reese all you want to. If people are struggling with the playbook, they need to go to who? The positional coach. Position coach. And if they continue to struggle with the playbook, then you question the positional coach. Like, it's a bunch of stuff you can put on Tommy Reese, and it's a ton, bunch of stuff you can't. Young man could not get on the field. His contact for the playbook was not Tommy Reese. But wait a minute. I, I guarantee you he did not have one. He did not have one conversation with Tommy Reese about what he was supposed to do on a particular play in the playbook. Not one. See, this is what doesn't make sense. Tommy would say in the press conference, we love what he looks like. He works hard after practice. He knows what he's doing. He's making plays, killing our defense, killing the drills. But I just don't trust him. <laughs> he's working hard before and after practice. And I have to think about that as a kid. Damn! Like he... if I'm if I'm Tobias, <laughs> what he do? Because I'm not going. Wait a minute! I'm not going. I can tell you. I know for a fact. Players are instructed under Marcus Freeman to go talk to their positional coaches. That's right. Go talk to your mom. That's what I, <laughs> I know that for a fact. Go talk to you. <laughs> so if there was a problem, the conversations took place with Chancey Stuckey. If there was a problem. But the players, if, I was to, if, if I was Tobias Merriweather, and see, this is not just about the wide receiver room. See, if I'm another player on the squad, I'm asking after watching this dude that's, in practice every week. That's a championship team, though. I'm asking, whoa. When Lamar, when, if if, if uh, Prince Collie knocked on the door, hey, um, this uh, Tobias be working me at practice. Why are we not seeing him? Why on are Saturday? we not seeing this dude on Saturday? That's a exactly. championship team, though. That's exactly. what we would do in 2015. Oh, what? That's what I did with Fink. I said, hey, yo. I mean, look, I love what we got at slot, but Fink, you might have to take a take a look. Mm -hmm. Next thing you know, Fink, captain, uh, the fifth year, senior, all type of crazy accolade. But that's but that's what that's how you know a team is like, okay, we we serious about winning. Not mm -hmm. we serious about waking up and being on schedule, but we serious about winning where we thinking like, how can the team be the best amongst us without having to lean on everything the coaches say? Cause you know, the team know who, who, who really like that or who's not, you know, and it's usually a, a power struggle between what the team wants and what the coaches want to do. Yeah. 
you know. Yeah. And but, I think people listening, watching it might be taken through. Someone being under the microscope does not mean it's a negative. No. It means that it means yeah. the excuse. It means that the excuse has been removed. Yeah. The veil has been taken. The down. veil has been taken down. <laughs> oh yeah. Now eyes are on you for what's going on at your particular position. Yeah, we just making sure when things go I down, on we, know who, we know who to call. You know. I, I get where you're coming from with dealing with color. Has something to do. We saw the development of the running backs. Yeah. We saw his ability to recruit. My brother, you got a lot of carries to divvy up, dude. It's a and lot. Of, gonna be expecting you to have it on point. It's a lot, man. It's a lot of pressure to get Jeremiah Love on the field because he might step on the field his first practice and be the best running back you have. Now, how do you how do you deal with that? How do you deal with that? How do you deal with that? You have these two dudes. That could be 1,000-yard rushers, and you have this freshman that steps on the field. He might be the most explosive out of everybody. And then you got a guy coming off injury that might just be that dude too. And Jadarian Price. And Jadarian Price. Now, now what do you do? Built like Reggie Bush. So as much as we say, Jared Parker, man, you got a lot to work with, my man, it's a lot of pressure. Because you do have a lot to work with. Jared Parker, yeah. How you splitting up them carries? Is is cause cause the receivers gotta get a good portion of targets. And then you gotta have some attempts in there. Like I know you can run the ball 40 times against Tennessee State for 400 yards, but there's no excuse for your wide receivers not to get loose against Tennessee State. None. None. <laughs> None. That. That is, yeah, Jared Parker's under the microscope. See, you know, you are right. Tennessee State, it should be about objectives because we can score a thousand. But if we don't have certain objectives, like, okay, this person got this many carries and targets, this person got this many yards and carries and targets, then that, that would tell me off the bat, oh, we're not organized. If we don't go in a TC, a TSU game looking like, oh, we really are getting our players the football instead of it just being, we're just trying to score points. Then I'll know right then and there if we're ready for them three games. Because the team doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Because if this is about scoring points, then, you know, we're going to start seeing all type of crazy stuff. Like we usually do. Facts. But if we're serious about this season and what we're doing offensively, then that TSU game is not going to look any different than the Ohio State game, than the Clemson game, the SC game. Because you're going to see a, 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 a... a plan. Mm. I don't want to see the TSU game where we getting people out of the stands to run plays and and you know we got people calling in, uh, calling plays from the you know they comfort of their home or we get these walk ons with an amputated arm catching punts at the end so everybody can cheer. No, 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 no. We want four quarters of. Man, they got they got something that I don't think teams can stop. And then when you look up, being like, "Oh, they, yeah," and, and they blew them out seventy to nothing. But that, but we couldn't even pay attention to the scoreboard. We just seeing guys fly around. You know, mm-hmm. that's what needs to be the expectation. Lucky Lefty Podcast, Apple Podcast, Spotify. 
CFB Nation in conjunction with Irish Breakdown, all of our great content, leave five stars, leave your comments. We greatly appreciate it. It's the Lucky Lefty Podcast. We spin it different. There you have it. Our three coaches under the microscope. We come back We talk about the players at each position. For both of us, they need to step up and be that dude. It's going to be very interesting. It's the Lucky Lefty Podcast. You already know. We spin it different. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.